With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be across the nation around the world. Once again, you're listening to the VMware Communities Roundtable Podcast. This is podcast number 633. My name is Eric Nelson, and with me today, I have my regular co-host, Matt Lungeth. Today is Wednesday, February 1st, 2023, first day of VMware's new year. Matt, how you doing? How's it going over there? Eric, I am well. We're here in central Pennsylvania, slightly above that cold snap that is coming in through the southeast. I, I had talked with a fellow colleague in Mississippi this morning, and they were in the high teens there overnight, which is, I guess, for this time of year, unseasonably cold. But other than that, sir, very well. Uh, I know that for all of our listeners out there that may or may not be familiar with it, we have something here in Pennsylvania called Groundhog's Day that we celebrate out of an area called Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, and hence the name Punxsutawney Phil. Uh, that will be tomorrow, Thursday the 2nd. And oddly enough, Mr. Uh, Groundhog himself was inducted into the Meteorological Hall of Fame this week. And he has something like a 57% accuracy record for his predictions thus far. But I digress about all things weather. How are you, sir? How are things out there on the West Coast? And most importantly, what is the color of the bay? I am doing fantastic, as Corey Romero would say. Uh, we're in the new fiscal year, so I'm excited about that. Everything is booming in the Bay Area. It is cold. It was 27 degrees last night. So, you know, color of the Bay is you got to chip the ice off the puddles to get to the, the Bay. And it is just a muddy, dark green because it's kind of windy and cold. And we've got winter here. We were not we were not spared the uh, Arctic blast that came down from the Canadian region. So we're, it's never been this cold i can't remember it being 27 at uh, five in the morning when i woke up this morning so this is a little bit nippy not bad for you guys though i'm sure uh matt i think that uh one of this podcast is going to be a fun podcast because i think we have one of our favorite topics and one of the favorite guests for this topic so why don't you do the honors well so i i feel like there is one on euc topics that we need to have an extended series uh, an hour is just never enough because I could go on for, for days. And, it, and I somewhat jokingly say that, but also somewhat serious because our EUC portfolio has expanded quite a bit. We're, we're looking at traditionally when we think about EUC, we think about our Workspace ONE and Horizon products. But now it's about the capabilities of some of those platforms of once we have some type of interaction with that as endpoint devices, um, what we can be doing, what, how can we be improving the employee experience, how we can be looking at stuff like uh, uh, onboarding processes uh, for HR interactions and different monitoring and things like out there and also automation tools and whatnot. And to speak all of that, one of our favorite guests, Mr. Jack Madden, is going to be joining us today. So, Jack, welcome to the podcast. Uh, you have blogged out there about your experiences in all of the announcements from Explore from both San Francisco and Barcelona. Traditionally, our EMEA Explore and VM World events, yes, I'll put a dollar in the chip jar, but in years prior have been quite big, as in the second show of the year is big for EUC. And I think that we really saw that this year. We saw a lot of things coming out with our announcements for Windows 365, some things that are out there with Jeff Gulatowski and everything that he is doing with app volumes and apps everywhere. And then, of course, all of the other announcements. So, Jack, welcome. And let's dive right into it as far as a 
a little bit of your background before we get into those announcements and what you're currently doing in your current role within VMware. Well, thank you for that introduction and thank you for having me. Uh, yes, I'm Jack Madden. I'm joining from my home office here in San Francisco where it is indeed um, very cold by San Francisco standards, of course. Um, so explore, yes, I almost have to put a, a dollar in that jar for calling it VMworld as well, but I figured I should be extra trained. You know, I am on our product marketing team. Uh, I've been responsible for a bunch of our EUC content and keynotes and things at Explore. So I've been trying to be pretty uh, regimented about it, even in casual usage, so that I don't accidentally uh, let one slip out there in, in the world. Um, but you asked a little bit about my about my background, and yeah, please. the way that I'll mention the, the way that I'll frame my background is that this was oh my thirteenth year at Explore, twelfth year at Explore. I have to go through the the, the numbers. Uh, I went to my I came to my first VMworld in Las Vegas in two thousand eleven, um, way back when. And, here, seeing people like uh, Vittorio Virengo on stage, who's you know now still a still a very familiar face um, uh, around here. Um, so at the time, I was I had just joined a company called Tech Target, a trade media publication, writing for a site called BrianMadden.com, and I'm Jack Madden, and uh, you know Brian, my brother, who. Uh, has re recently had a stint at VMware as well, uh, along with our um, other former colleague, Gabe Knuth. Uh, they were pretty well known covering the desktop virtualization space, and they needed another warm body to come and um, cover all of that desktop virtualization news that was happening, um, you know, even way back then for, for years, of course. You, you originally um, one wanted of the to topics. come on, if I remember some of the, the, the tech target and bride forum posts, you had started to focus on mobile management, right? Where Gabe and, and Brian, it, it, we, we had seen it expand, right? As far as the, the bride forum reach and influence. I can remember some of your first articles that, that were out there that were, because nobody had really covered that from industry analysis such early on at the time where you had seen some of those earlier influencers that were out there and early products and whatnot. And I can remember going through and reading some of your articles and going, wow, this is now going to be another product portfolio within EUC. And, and look at where we are now. And, you know, I'll, I'll mention the, the thing about those early days and um, the, the interesting thing about how it is that I'm here at, uh, here at VMware now is there was a BYOD and BYO iPhones in particular, uh, 2009, 10, 11. It was such the big topic of conversation. It was discussed on stage at VMworld that year. And so all of us in the desktop virtualization community were like, hey, yeah, this, this BYOD phone thing and BYO iPad, like, what are we going to do about that? And so that kicked off very early again. That was... Uh, my first day on the job was was at that VMworld, and they said, "Let's figure out what's what's going on in this BYO iPhone space." Which, of course, then we had mobile device management, app management, and like you said, there weren't very many people talking and writing about it. It was a very new industry. So very soon, I was spending forty hours a week covering the covering the industry of just calling up all these vendors and people that are that were putting the early mobile device management and mobile app management uh, products into practice and figuring out what it was all about. I actually, uh, it's interesting that you mentioned that. I will hold down from my my shelf here. Hopefully I won't make anything else fall down. Um, <laughs> there, there we go. I put everything that I learned in that first year and a half um, of covering enterprise mobility into, uh, into this book. Um, so, it's uh, it, that was a lot of fun. It's, it's fun to be able to put that on my uh, on my resume and LinkedIn. Who were some of the early players back then? Who who was in the space early on within the the EMM or MDM space that you can remember? Um, 
Yeah, well, of, of course, uh, AirWatch that was later acquired by VMware and became Workspace One UEM was one of the big ones. Um, and then uh, a lot of other ones that went into other vendors, uh, MobileIron, now part of Avanti, Maz360 uh, that, that went into IBM. There was Good Technology that went into BlackBerry. Um, there were probably, if, if you look back at my old articles, there were certainly um, many more that that were that were listed and had various spaces and um but of, of course it, it is it is interesting that things have come full circle that uh 2014 it was that vmware acquired acquired airwatch and um was suddenly in the space in a big way absolutely um it, it's interesting to see that progression and how uh, dare I say that within the EUC portfolio that MDM, and when I refer to MDM, that, that would be the mobile device and now modern device um, management component uh, of the EUC portfolio is just as big or not bigger than, than sometimes than what our virtual desktop infrastructure uh, customer base or cu customer portfolio is right where it's I think that you know without diving too far in the numbers it's equal on equal footing right whereas before it was looked at as a, as a side project oh we, we need to, to maybe manage these devices now it's critical within that EUC portfolio and to that end you see some of these announcements that are coming out of explore about what we can do to expand Workspace One, as far as automation uh, that's out there within our intelligence platform, and then taking what we have now within the Workspace One portfolio and what that means for managing potentially VDI desktops, which is also some of the other the announcements that we have with, uh, out there coming out of Explore. So let's dive into that a little bit. What Let's, and again, I'm going to reference your blog that's out there um, under blogs.vmware.com, under EUC. If you search for, for Jack Madden or Explore, uh, Jack has a fantastic write-up of everything that's out there coming out of all of our Explore announcements. Uh, it, the, the article date is 15 November uh, of last year. The article titled, First Impressions of VMware Explorer 2022 Europe. So what were some of your big takeaways? What, what did you see as the themes of coming out of, of this uh, Explore um, EUC announcements as we had, had talked about at the, at the top of the hour? That's a traditionally a huge platform for us to, to set the, the North Star, to, to, to borrow uh, Shankar's um, keynote uh, title there, of where we want to head into 2023 with our EUC portfolio. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, there's there, there's lots to to dig into there, and and you know what? One thing that I'll mention is that I I had um, all these first impressions of these announcements. Um, to be truthful, they weren't my first impressions of the announcements themselves because I've been we had been working internally on putting together the announcements uh, for for months. Um, so the the first impressions were seeing how people reacted to them and. Just being at the at the show itself, um, it was, of course, for everybody that was at Explore in the U.S. in San Francisco and in Barcelona. I think everybody was loving to be back together in person and having all that time to to sit and and chat with people. Um, but there were there were three three main things that I highlighted in this blog, and I'll give a little bit of context though first. Um, you, as, as you referenced, so for, for many years, we've had the VDI portfolio and the, the enterprise mobility management portfolio. And, you know, there, there are some, there are some in the audience, like if, if, and, you know, I get it. If, um, you're not in the EUC every day, you might be thinking my, sometimes I occasionally hear the, the old names for the products. I, they, I hear people oh, say, oh sure, yeah, right. Yeah, we, we, we hear AirWatch, and I, they I have, still they hear AirWatch there for yeah. the Horizon stack. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and so of course it, it's, you know, Horizon, Horizon Cloud, 
Workspace One, UEM, all of the other workspace uh, derivations. And of course, what what we've been doing for uh, for for years and years now is, is building more and more services that address both of those both of those platforms. So while while there's UEM is a thing and and VDI is a thing, so many of the of the other services um, can interact with both of them. Whether that be Intelligent Hub as the sort of the front door app catalog app to access you know resources provisioned by by UEM um, or your virtual desktops, whether it be uh, the Workspace One Access, which does all of that identity management plumbing um, that can handle your single sign-on. Again, both your Workspace One and your, your Horizon resources, um, they're all together. So in, in Explore, so, so really for, for, for several years now, um, some of the big messages that we've been going through again it's that that cross-platform thing um back in 2021 you might have heard us uh refer to everything both workspace one and horizon inside the workspace one platform and so what we what we said in uh what we made very clear this year at explorer is like Hey, you've heard of, you've been hearing us talk about the works the the anywhere workspace platform for a while, and you know Workspace One and for for UEM, and you know our Horizon products, um, but our experience and security products also have been um, crystallizing more and more into their own uh, solution pillars as as part of that. That the the people that know uh, UEM and Horizon. They're gonna start hearing more about more about our Dex portfolio, which is digital employee experience and our workspace security portfolio. And again, this a lot of the products within those solutions aren't new. Some of them have been around for quite a while. Um, but the 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 story and the way that again everything is working cross-platform is is becoming much more um, is a is a story that we're telling in a much more cohesive way. So that's a long a long roundabout way of saying that. Two of the big things that we that I talked about in that article were um, the state of our digital employee experience uh, solution and the state of our workspace security solution. So let's drive into Dex for a second because I think Dex with, within EUC is uh, one of those fantastic marketing terms that somebody got major kudos from hitting all of the, the fabulous wordplay. I mean, it, it's got a great acronym. Um, it's digital employee experience, but everyone's definition of what DEX is and how it fits into the EUC ecosystem, I think is, is varying a little bit. So how, how, one, how do you define DEX, you personally? And two, what do you see coming of this? Where, where do you see our, what are some use cases that are out there now that we have productized this um, that have real world impact, right? How, how do we cut through the, the marketing fluff, so to say, of, of the overall, um, you know, the DEX wordplay into some actionable intelligence for operators and then end users, what the, what's the real impact uh, of this? Yeah, yeah, that, Dex is pretty broad. I, I think of it as a my personal definition. It's it, it's really an, an umbrella term that covers a lot of different products that make my day as an employee easier. From the being able to single sign on to all of my apps to knowing that my device is performing well to knowing that the network is performing well to knowing that if there are any issues that i can easily receive support um, but with within that that you're you're right the, the definition has been it's been expanding it's been changing it's starting to formalize a little bit more and so i'll, I'll tell you how how we define it and the, the products that we put within the dex portfolio we think of four stages of the employee experience, um, you know, the four, four elements of the, the life cycle or, 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 or process, if you will. Uh, there's delivering the resources to the end users. There's measuring the performance. There's 
analyzing uh, the, the the performance, all that data that you get, and then there's remediating those. So for for delivering uh, resources, that's that's getting my apps so that I can actually get my job done. Um, are the most in visible some way, part that's, of this? That's to... platform agnostic, right? That supports our anywhere workspace initiative is an overall portfolio strategy. It's not only delivering the apps, it's delivering that consistent, as consistent as consistent can be amongst a common interface, regardless of what device that that user happens to bring at that particular time. Right, right, exactly. Um, you know, it, it's, if we go to a new device or are in a new browser, sure, we may have some apps installed locally, and we all have our pre preferred way of launching apps, whether it's clicking on the clicking on the icon or uh, you know, start menu or or spotlight on Mac. Um, and you know, maybe some of our important web apps we have, you know, our browser autocompletes. Um, but though, but that's. That's like after you've moved into a device, you know, I think of when I like refresh a device or, or something, that's after you move in. What about those apps that you, maybe you only use them once a month or once a year and uh, you may, who knows what the URL is or where you go to get the agent. Um, so that's where uh, VMware Workspace One Intelligent Hub, that's our app catalog app, provides that that front door to you know once you authenticate into intelligent hub itself then uh, you get single sign-on federated so out to all of those apps um, you can you know bookmark and put all of your things in there and it's um, in in one of the keynotes a few years ago they said hey go to any any VMware employee and ask to see intelligent hub on their device and you can see how you can get that that access to everything and and we do. We um, practice so what we do. Yeah, it's yeah, absolutely incredible yeah. to be able to, if I have my iPhone, right, you know, if I, and or if I have an iPad or if I'm, I'm on a Win 10 or actually, excuse me, Windows 11 device right now. But if I need to, I can switch over to a personal um, Mac OS, latest 16.3, uh, or excuse me, 13.2. I'm getting a, a iPad OS and <laughs> Mac OS yeah. Ventura mixed up. But to have that common unified platform. Now, of course, it, Jack, to your point, there is going to be, once you're baked in, there's going to be, be a preferred platform. You're going to have local applications installed and whatnot. But if I need to, to pick up and go, or heaven forbid that there's an anomaly on this device, to know that, that the common uniformity is that intelligent hub app that I can install on that next device, whatever it may be, and then I have access to those common set of applications. What a fantastic experience to be able to deliver to employees. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Intelligent Hub, we consider that as a, as a core part of our, of our DEX uh, solution. Um, but of course, if you're deploying, if you're deploying devices with, with mobile device management or, or uh, UEM, you can use that Intelligent Hub. You can use Intelligent Hub also uh, to access your your Horizon apps, um, and that, that's that's another aspect of the delivering uh, experiences to users. That um, our UEM platform itself for delivering the experience of all of these device platforms, um, you know, Mac, Windows, Samsung, Chrome, they all have these enrollment experiences where the device can be shipped directly from the factory or the distributor to the end user and the end user just turns it on and it gets it all automatically enrolled. Uh, so on the, on the first day uh, or a brand new device, it can be uh, provisioned right away. That, that experience is a big part of the employee's experience and that's something that our UEM portfolio provides. And same thing, we can also consider, uh, of course, Horizon has a big input uh, on experience, whether it's you know, making sure to support all of the latest uh, video conferencing apps that are the most popular, um, or all those creature comforts that make a desktop uh, seem just like a local one. Um, so the whole portfolio really has an impact on the experience. 
Um, but when we say deliver, we mean often intelligent hub. And then the measure side, um, so our, our platform for uh, monitoring and, and analytics across the entire EUC portfolio now is, is Workspace ONE Intelligence. Again, that's pulling all of the data out of, out of UEM, now out of Horizon VMs. Um, it can measure now um, subjective user feedback through like microsurveys. You can have something like, hey, you're say there is an issue and an app is crashing and we detect that and then push out a fix. You can also pop up the survey and say like, hey, is the app working working well now? Thumbs up or thumbs down? Something real quick, like real I, I think so it's the equivalent of, of that of when you when you should close out of that Zoom window sometimes and you get that quick, hey, was your audio quality good for this session, right? Those quick microservices is where, where you have some or microsurveys where you have that quick feedback point of, well, we haven't heard anything back from the help desk yet or the ticket number's down or whatnot. Sure, that's one way of measuring this, but this provides us as admins that are out there when we go to do patches or some type of corrective change for the environment, another true data analytic point that then we can have as a defined data point moving forward, you know, to, to measure that user experience. And that starts to fit into, again, what we were, in, in my definition, is, is DEX, right? Uh, we yeah, didn't yeah. have those means before within let's say a traditional MDM portfolio now what because now we're enabling this through hub where you can do some types of these surveys and whatnot it's all about managing where, where we can go and you know patches and updates and just overall general user experience yeah yeah and the, the cool thing is that like that that microsurveys capability so the next part of that the deck cycle is you know once you've measured all that data it's the analysis of it and of course today analyzing large amounts of data and what's going on involves all sorts of uh, machine learning and ai and correlation but the fact that that survey data is coming into the same uh data repository and system as um, the data that's off of off of all your machines that means like sure you could put out email on the out a pulse survey you know, using some other survey platform, but then you'd have to take that data and figure out a way to correlate it with, oh, when did these OS updates come out and, and all of these other things. Um, whereas having that all together is, um, lets you build out those dashboards and find those correlations um, all, all on its own. I, I wanted um, and to then, touch, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to go on to the, the the last part, of course, is that all of that data helps you do remediations, and so that the last part of our deck cycle cycle is that remediation thing, which could mean using our platform to you know either uh, you know send commands to the device to to fix an issue or offer uh, remote support, you know, built right in. We think about, and it, it's, I hear this all the time from, from customers about intelligence being, you know, report central, but the true power, the, the, the brains behind the intelligence name, I think, if you'll for, forgive the, the analogy there, is the automation, right? It's not only that we have this, the data in a centralized point from both the applications, the performance, the, the user experience as far as you know, protocol latency and things like that, and that can be across the, a myriad of all of our you know, platforms that are, that are out there that we're, we're measuring endpoint experience with. But then what do we do on that, right? Um, uh, and then we also look at it across of application patching or OS patching or um, simple, um, OS updates, right, that are out there across the, a myriad of platforms, right? And then how, if there is a known issue or a known um, given situation, what can we do to build into a type of an automation workflow um, to uh, or alleviate some of that remedial, let's call it phase one admin work that, that's out there? So it's not only about the reporting of the data, back to the centralized console, but then what can we do from that 
data that now, now that we've obtained and then make actionable, automated, intelligent actions to remediate not only current, but then future problems. The automation within intelligence, I think, is maybe even more key than what we can get from the report. Yeah, yeah, you're 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 working towards uh, two or three real exciting announcements that we did at the two explore shows. Um, but I'll, I'll I'll put a bow on the digital employee experience conversation by saying that uh, the way we talk through the delivering the experience, measuring analyzing and remediating uh that's those four components those four circles are our um definition of digital employee experience and what uh really sets us apart there there are um you know compared to other vendors in the employee experience space that much more focus on the uh the measuring and analysis portion but uh we feel that having the ability to deliver uh, in the first place and remediate, whether it's remediating through remote support or through actually managing the, the device itself, um, you know, really, really differentiates and gives us broader view and broader actions that we can take. Um, so that that's digital employee experience. But now the with the, uh, as you were mentioning, taking actions and automations um, between our uh, expansion of freestyle orchestrator, our um, marketplace uh, that we began talking about at Explore, and this whole autonomous workspaces concept that uh, that I can go into. There's there's a lot of exciting stuff that we talked about in the last couple of months. That's um, you know all coming down the road this year. I do want to flip over to because this also plays into some of the, the items that we're going to be talking about that that are coming out there as far as what or UEM can manage, is we talked about the, you know, the, the application delivery from the user experience side, right? Where we have within Intelligence Hub or Intelligent Hub, we have a, a continuity of single sign-on and application delivery across your device portfolio. But from the admin side as well, there is continuity among possibly at the operator's preference, perhaps a security baseline, right? Of what is it now required once that device is enrolled with Intelligent Hub? Is there a security standard that there is main, maintained? Do, does that Windows 10 device need to be up to a certain level? Do we need to have certain password enforcement? Is the iOS dev device out there at a certain pa patch level? Does it have, you know, again, a certain password or complexity requirements? Is there other security um, implementations that are out there or controls that we need to implement? So not only is it about delivering that consistent experience across devices to the end user themselves, but then from the admin side, when that user places Intelligent Hub on that device, if we're in a BYOD situation, or even in a corporate enrolled device, that that security pro the security and compliance profile is maintained. So it's application delivery to the user that's consistent, and then security and compliance delivery as part of the application push or availability out to the end user that's also checking all the boxes. And I think that's the, the, the amazing power in the back end of what's called the administrative side of DEX. Exactly, exactly. And, and if you think of, you know, you, you mentioned the unified endpoint management and, um, you know, if, if you look at the reports out, out there about how we can interface with different platforms, I really think that we're, achieving that goal of unified endpoint management emphasis on the unified better than better than anybody else right. um, a single console. Of, of course there's this is win yeah, 10 yeah. ios android rugged uh vr headsets right we, linux we're, we're, samsung yeah. uh all the yeah yeah um and and the the way that one of the ways that we can think about is like hey each one of these devices has 
um, you know, hundreds or thousands of APIs and configurations that we can set and adjust. And we could just go and say, hey, here's a UEM console with, you know, 700 switches for times, you know, how many of how many ever different types of uh, of devices do you have in your environment? And randomly going and and I think this is the right switch. You you could you could get in trouble um, fast. So it's that having that uh, intelligence to say, hey, if we want this security baseline according to this standard on iOS devices, we need to have these switches. Uh, you know, and by switches I mean the the configurations and commands to push out on on Windows. We do this on Android. We do this, and so it's the you know, not not just have we aggregated all of those APIs to all of those devices, but it's what we're what we're doing with it. And so we talked about intelligence to dig in and uh, and analyze that data and also do automations. Um, but one of the one of the other big things that, of course, we've uh, has been uh, around for. I, th I think it's been about two years that it's been uh, actually available is Freestyle Orchestrator. That's, uh, you know, the, the workflow drag and drop, you know, represent if or statements of get this resource if it's this device. Right, we're going to onboard and, a device, um, right? What are the next? Okay, now we're going to onboard and then what do we need to do and how can we enroll? And there, is there other automations that we can put in place? Uh, to make to make that onboarding process more seamless, and onboarding is just one of the many things that that uh, orchestrator is out there. Yeah. So the and and the 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 cool thing that that I'm so excited about, um, is the freestyle orchestrator. It started out. We started out with it in our UEM product, focused on those device centric workflows. Um, but what we're in the process of doing now and what we announced is uh, integration with intelligence and via intelligence, that'll mean um, being able to bring in resources and drive actions on pretty much everything across the entire VMware EEC portfolio. So it becomes that one place for, for everything in the, for, for driving automations across the portfolio. And then even we're, through the uh, through the marketplace announcements that we made, imagine being able like okay, there's a complex workflow for that'll set this baseline across all of these devices. Well, here's uh, you know a, a pre-made workflow that you can that you can download and 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 run. So that that marketplace announcement part of it is uh, you know one more step that is. Uh, Again, just going way beyond exposing all of the thousands of buttons that you press on all of these devices. So two follow-ups with that. So one, do you see this to the point where, let's say, I have a purview of persistent uh, Horizon desktops that are out there? And this could be Win365, this part of Horizon Cloud. This could be uh, native AVD that would be out there as part of Horizon Cloud on Azure, or it could be traditional on-premises Horizon um, persistent desktops. Or is the product roadmap or the, the eventual long-term idea that if I wanted to perform operations on that persistent pool that I might be able to do that out of Orchestrator? Um, oh yeah, and, and we, we have, um, of course, plenty of people already uh, enrolling VMs in Workspace One UEM. So, um, you know, and uh, in theory, pretty you know, pretty much anything that you can do in a physical uh, PC. Obviously, some some things are different, um, but you can be applying those um, those commands uh, to the um, to that VM via UEM. And then, of course, doing things like uh, the visibility on the, on the infrastructure side, um, you know, those are are more integrations and and things to do. Um, but you can see that we've we've been bringing more and more sources of data into uh, into that intelligence and freestyle orchestrator platforms. So so um, you know you can easily see how we're thinking about that. 
Yeah, I've been working closely with uh, the Horizon Cloud on Azure Next Gen, what we refer to sometimes as, as project code name was is Titan. And we know that that on the first generation, that the reporting was built into the Horizon, um, let's call I don't want to say cloud console, but within the Horizon on Azure admin console. And that in version two is fully transitioning over to intelligence. So again, supporting that idea that regardless of where we have these desktops that are out there, that this is now going to be your single source of EUC reporting truth and automation. And then to, to that end, Jack, the, the, one of the things that I love about this announcement that's coming out there with Freestyle Orchestrator is this marketplace, right? It's that, sure, you can go out there and design these, these automation workflows on your own if you want to, but then we're opening this up now to the third parties that are out there. So is there a way that we can, you know, plug in certain variables and then uh, those automations will flow through, right? So that we're not reinventing the wheel, that we're maintaining some consistency out there or that you can go to that third party and say, here is, you know, it, uh, let's say we want to do a win 10 to win 11 upgrade, right? Where, yeah, I could spend all of the time that I need to of going through that, that checkbox of, all right, here's all the little components and all the switches that I need to make sure that are checked. Or as a third party who's had experience of, with this above and beyond my own particular deployment that has that you know consultant-esque type of knowledge to say, well, here's really all the things that you, you may need to think through as part of this upgrade process. And then to have that as a baseline out there for consumption within the portfolio, and then you import that in, and then have it updated, I'm sure with improvements, of all more about that operational efficiency and autonomy uh, to aid that operator that, that's out there in their in their day-to-day -day, you know maintenance and day two operations. Yeah, yeah, this is that it, it's all exciting stuff. That's you're you're spot on. That's you know all the 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 vision of the marketplace that that we announced and and. Um, you know, of course, it's it's just the just the beginning of the year, so we have we have lots of lots of things uh, with that this year uh, that uh, that that we're excited about. Um, but you you mentioned you mentioned one last word there, autonomy that was a big theme in our in our v uh, in our explore keynotes, um, and so it, it's. We we talked about this this concept of autonomous workspaces, and you might be thinking, okay, we have anywhere workspace. You know, we've been talking about automation for a long time. Now we have autonomous workspaces. Uh, you know, what's how, how do you support all that, and um, or how do you sort it all out? And so, yeah, of course, anywhere workspace, as I mentioned, were is our um, you know umbrella platform term for the entire EUC portfolio. Um, but then this autonomous workspace idea uh, in, the, in the keynote, um, Shankar and, and other people, they, they talked about, it's sort of like, think about it, the difference between uh, cruise control and a self-driving car. Like right. uh, an, automation, an automation that notices condition A and then, you know, takes action X, just a very simple if then the mat is is an example of, you know, that, that that's a very basic automation. That's um, that's cruise control. It's you set that speed and uh, that car goes that speed. Um, now we we get like more and more, it starts to get more and more smart. Like now we, you know, uh, adaptive cruise control is is much more common. But we also talk about this vision of of autonomy and what it, what is autonomy about? It's well, it's taking much much more data and synthesizing it to to take much more complex actions. You know, when you have all of that context about how a device is performing, who the user is, um, how um, you know update compatibility issues may have happened. 
uh, you know, on, on other devices, um, how the device is changing, the, there's all of that context to be, to be taken in that can be taken into account when doing more, uh, more and more complex actions. And so we're, we're starting to talk about examples of this and, and um, you know, this backs up that data lake idea, choices. right? Once we have, we're yeah, now yeah. collecting all of these sources of information within intelligence. We have intelligent hub out on the end users, the device is, right? In some instances, we're monitoring that connection and those applications that are communicating with maybe that data center or SaaS service. Right? We're looking at the state of the applications that are on the end user's device. We're looking at patching levels. We're looking at network connectivity. We're looking at Wi-Fi signal strength, maybe in some instances. And then we also have you know, input in on if they're connecting back to a virtual desktop of all the metrics that are running within that environment. And we're putting this into this giant data lake. Now we have this tremendous amount of data points. Well, that's great. But then what do we do with this? Well, we throw AI and machine learning at it and we start to extrapolate out some data and learnings in the environment. And then it's about autonomous action, right? I try to think about this in like in the concept and correct me if I'm wrong here, but like UEM and smart groups. Well, the old mentality was is, all right, I want to make a smart group that, that's out there that includes any device that's iOS 16.3. Okay, and of course, if the device is already up to 16.3, boom, it comes in, and if everything's right with the world, that OG, uh, or excuse me, that smart group populates with it. Wouldn't it be something else if we could say, well, yes, but if the device is not also at that level, and if here's the bottom end, so let's say if it's at 16.1 or 16.2, then go and remediate it and follow a necessary step of instructions and now place it in that smart group and do so autonomously and give me a report for many of the devices that fail. Think about all of the work and actions that that would have taken before of going out and finding a report of, right, what device didn't make it in and then hitting each device and then going through that up the grade process and whatnot. What can we do now to automate this at scale, given all these data points, and then putting the, the power of things like Freestyle Orchestrator in there to make this more of an autonomous, um, what's, much more efficiently stable. Right? This is our the EUC way, um, way dare I say, of somewhat of, of um, DevOps operations, right? Where we're applying consistency through automation to our endpoint devices. Yeah, yeah. And I I I just love the 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 examples that, that you walked through and I and um you know the way of making it so relatable. Um you know I'm I I am on the the, the product marketing team so and you know as as marketers sometimes we um you know can talk about these concepts like Ooh, autonomous workspaces. We're going to run with that autonomous workspace idea, and then somebody might say, "Like, wait, what is this? I want to buy one. Do I need to buy one? Like, when do how do how do I get one?" Um, but I, I really appreciate the connections that that you made. That it's it's not some pie in the sky concept. It's what oh, we've that, been doing. The, but imagine how the additional right? context very, can. Yeah, it's we have the marketing term behind it, but it's not fluff. And I, I say that if I take my VMware employee cap off, this, this is truly powerful stuff. This makes the, the average admin that's in that UEM console that has that fleet of 10, 25,000, 100,000 devices, which were UEM platforms that are out there, is nothing. But of how do you start to manage all of this at scale, right? And part of that is that data lake is intelligence and then placing automation behind it to make the fleet management and day-to-day -day operations, given what we're seeing with uh, zero-day exploits and just general vulnerabilities and application packet or patching and you know, internal revisions, even from internal application development teams and compliance and whatnot. 
of what's being asked of these operators from day to day and what we can do to make their life easier. And this autonomous workspaces plays right into that. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's a, Eric posed a question in the, in the chat of what does this mean for the end user? Why do they want this? Or is this another way for IT to hinder productivity? Um, you know, I'll, I'll take a stab at, at this and say that all of these things are things that can make IT more, more responsive to changes that are going on in the device, um, make the product that IT is delivering to the end users, make IT be able to do it faster and more efficiently. So I see this as, as a net benefit. And especially around, we haven't talked too much about security, but when I think of condi conditional access and remediating issues and being able to say, um, you know, oh, uh, being able to do things like uh, varying levels of step, step up authentication or hey, you're on a BYO uh, laptop, so you're going to access this sensitive application through, um, uh, MFA, through Horizon Desktop. Sure. Yeah, or yeah, yeah right. We we don't um, want this application on the desktop whatsoever. We we want this now in our security enclave of a Horizon delivered desktop, and that could be Horizon on prem. Horizon Cloud with Win365, Horizon Cloud on Azure, right? Whatever that operator would set as far as conditional access. Yeah, and since... Uh, since yeah, we, yeah, and imagine also with with um, all the data and intelligence that, that we were talking about, um, you know, all of the combinations of, of apps and different policies that, that could be made um, and all the different rules, if it's managed device, unmanaged device, uh, you know, this app or that app, this app network or, or that network. Um, imagine having all of that intelligence and those workflows to help uh, to help build those policies. So, um, you know, so that we can define the, the, the levels of protection that we want and then to have the um, have the, the platform for, for lack of a better term, um, you know, help see what's going on in those devices and and adjust all the the dials as necessary so jack and matt i know that uh you guys could go on for like seven Eric's hours here, to right? talk so so see, at 53 yeah, minutes into the podcast that's right i just now figure out just, where the mute button is i just have to give you guys uh, credit i give credit for tony foster for asking that question i would say that uh i went from an unmanaged desktop to a managed desktop just uh, this month because uh, at VMware, they rotated through trying to find guys like me who were totally unmanaged. And now that I'm managed, actually, it's really nice, right? I would say that uh, to Tony Foster's question originally, you know, what does it mean? It, it actually has worked out uh, that I have access to a lot more things that I used to struggle to get to. And I don't even know it's there, right? So I got to say that it it is it has been uh, beneficial for me as a user once the Intelligent Hub got set up and I got through the 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 half a day growing pains to get it all working, you know, go to my boot prom, turn off security, let IT come in, do some stuff, then go back into boot prom, turn on security. Once I got my machine managed, now it has been invisible to me and I just have access and I'm not RSAing every other day. It stays active continuously. So I got to say, very, very nice high ratings on that. And with that, we only have five more minutes till we're out of time, gentlemen. So uh, I will up level it and say, Jack, um, uh, any big plans for 2023 coming in? I know Explore is going to happen again in Vegas. We didn't talk about that, but uh, Vegas is happening. You guys can go save the date, get your hotels. It's going to be August 21 through the 24th. And then Barcelona is committed November 6th through the 9th in, uh, in the Fia Grand V in Barcelona. So um, any big plans for 2023, Jack? Uh, well, I'm, I'm super, you know, when I look at, our marketing plan for the year and things that, that we want to talk about um, through, through the year. Um, I'm, I'm super excited to keep spreading the word about the, the, the automation, the, the freestyle, all of these ways of making the platform um, do more things for, for, for you as the customer. So um, like one of, one of my messages is um, 
hey, if you've been, you know, just thinking, hey, we've just been doing mobile devices for a long time, or we've just been doing Horizon uh, desktops or apps for a long time, is see what else we have in the platform and the and the the cool benefits of of all the things that we talked about today that um, can can really take it way way beyond just uh, pushing profiles and configurations. Nice, nice, Matt. Uh, last one minute. Go ahead, ask your last couple of questions, and then uh, we'll do one minute of barbecue. Okay. Um, wow, you see live fire. Um, I will say as a comment, we, we did not get to touch on this, but for EUC enthusiasts that are out there, if you have not watched Jeff Ulitowski's Apps Anywhere presentation coming out of Ex Explorer, it is absolutely incredible. It is a game changer as far as application packaging and application de uh, delivery above and beyond virtual desktop infrastructure. Where this can go and where we can, where and how, not only we, how we can package an application or not necessarily need to package an application, and then where we can place that package or application package with uh, across a multitude of services is absolutely incredible. I I I watched it internally, and I I was just jumping to try to talk about it until it got released. Second, Jack EUC events. I, I think about Bryforum, Bryforum back in the day, and, and how it was the enclave. What other EUC events, or is there anything that you're attending outside of the Explore ecosystem? That might be out there is an industry event or or whatnot. Where where's the state? of EUC events in 2023 or any other uh, industry events that you might be attending? Yeah, there there are a couple. Um, just before Explore in Barcelona, I, I went to the uh, E2E VC uh, event. It used to be called PubForm back in the day. Um, um, that's that's one that's, that's real strong. They're up to 200 people now. Um, then, uh, we are going to be sponsoring and at iGel Disrupt uh, in Munich yes. is coming up pretty soon and, and Nashville. February, uh, mid-February dates and then the, what, first week in April in Nashville for Disrupt for yep. our Noram customers. Yep, so th those are those are uh, two places that, uh, uh, that you'll be able to see us. Um, I should be headed to the um, UC Masters Retreat uh, again this year. That's uh, another one of those community events that uh, sprang up uh, after the after the Bry Forum days in um, in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. The um, I know the the registration for that one is still open, um, and All right. I think uh, Explore Las Vegas. It'll be. It'll be here before we know it. Uh, it's a week oh, earlier absolutely. than it's ever been yeah, before. We're, we're back out in, in so, the desert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that 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 will be my summer is uh, putting together our our EUC keynote and, and announcements. So I'm I'm really looking forward to, looking forward to doing that again in person. Nice, nice. Well, and just to do a shout out, Korea and India, uh, April 6th in Korea and April 11th in India. So, you know, going to do some of that as well. Uh, last minute of the podcast. Technically, we're over, but we started one minute late. Jack, you're in the Bay Area. Any favorite barbecue? We are on uh, youtube.com slash barbecue. If you want to see what Jack looks like, see his mug, you can go there and look at the YouTube stream we have there. But Jack, uh, V Barbecue, uh, any barbecue that you like to make or like to eat? Uh, my favorite to eat in the Bay Area was a place that was only open for about a year because it was like the side, the side hustle of another restaurant. And I, I lament it's, uh, it's ending every day, but there's... In San Francisco, in the Heights, there's a, a restaurant called Magnolia. They brew their own beer, lots of like English style beers and, and things. Um, and for about a year, they were running a, uh, a barbecue place uh, over in the dog patch that was just 
some of some of the best some of the best that I've that I that I've ever had. And you know, I just got back from visiting my uh, sister in Texas over Thanksgiving, eating some good barbecue there. But uh, all so, right, so, so was that, this so one? That, that's that's my story of of barbecue. love and loss of my favorite barbecue, barbecue. place in San Francisco. <laughs> uh, was it one of these places that you'd have to go on a Saturday and stand in an hour line to get to get in and get a table? Because I got some, some of those stories up in the city as well. Every time I go up to the city, I end up waiting in a 30-minute line in a cold spot. But uh, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 45045 on Divisadero is, is the big one that people think of. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, hey, it's great to have you here, Jack. Uh, Matt, it's great to Thank see you. Thank you, Jack. Great, great show. Uh, deep dive on EUC. Loved it. We're back every Wednesday, 12 to 1. Feel free to join us live on uh, vmw.re slash pod. You can ask questions. Thanks to Tony Foster, as always, to asking asking a couple of questions. Jack, thanks for being here. You, Jack's Twitter handle, if you want to give him a follow, is at Jack Madden, J-A-C-K-M-A-D-D-E-N. Go give him a follow. Say hello. Great guy. And uh, Jack, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus.